you guys doing tonight? You guys good? Anybody, anybody alive tonight? Let, 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 let me see you guys wave. Can I see you guys wave? Yeah, you guys are here? Okay. Just checking. You guys are alive. All right. So this is the first youth of 2016. First youth service. Woo! And I get the privilege. Is it, is it the first youth service or did this camp? No, this, this is the first service, right? And I have the honor of having the first service, the first youth service, and I get to preach tonight. Amen. All right, you guys got your Bibles tonight? Yeah? Anybody got, let, let, let me see your guys' Bibles. Let me see who brought a Bible. Just wave it. All right, half the people, more than half. All right, that's good, that's good. All right, that's good. You got to bring your Bible. Tonight we're going to use it. Amen? We're going to use the Bible tonight. It's the Word of God. All right, uh, open up to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 14 to 19. All right, if you got to say, I got it. If you don't got to say, hold up. All right, we'll wait a couple minutes, a couple seconds, actually. All right, John chapter 17 from verse 14 down to verse 19, and this is Jesus. He is uh, praying to the Father for his disciples. It says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. And tonight, um, I guess the the title of the sermon is uh, In the World But Not Of It. In the World But Not Of It. Um, and you know, it's interesting that Jesus, he's praying for his disciples and he's saying that he, he tells the father, he says, I've given them your word. He says, I've, I've, I've sanctified them. I've given them something. And he's praying for his disciples. And, and he's saying, listen, the, he's saying, father, these are your people. And he's saying, I pray, I, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world. That's not what he's saying. He, he's not saying, you know, God, get rid of them, remove them from the world. He's saying, yeah, they're going to be in the world, but I pray that they would not have a part in the world. He says, I pray that you would keep them from the world. He says, they, they don't belong to this world, right? They said the world has hated them because they're not of this world. But he says, but I don't pray that you take them out of the world. I pray that you keep them from the evil one. You know, God has not, uh, it was not God's intention to take us out of the world. We live in this world, right? Right? We all, we're all living, we all, every day, you know, whether it's school, whether it's work, wherever you are, we're in this world, right? We, it's just, you, do, you can't live under a rock. You know, the before, uh, during, you know, when they had the first church and, and the Roman Empire became Christian, it kind of, things started getting weird and you had monks, they would go into the monasteries, right? And they would, they would start their own little things and they would have the temple and they would just be away from everybody. And then, you know, they're serving God. God didn't intend that to be. Uh, that's not what God's intention was. God intended us to live in this world, right? We, we're all in this world. We all, you know, we, we're part of, of the things that are happening in this world. But God says, but, I've, but 
Jesus' prayer was to keep them from the evil one. And that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. And I want to talk about, uh, we're going to look at two men, uh, two different stories. Uh, two people, two different destinies or two different outcomes. Uh, but before that, let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit that he would speak to us and, and uh, make this word alive in us. Amen. We need this world to be, we need this word, I mean the word to be alive in us. So that it's not just the word, but it's, it's in the spirit. Amen. Um, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. God, we thank you that you are, that you are real, that you are God that is alive, that you are God that is, that is in us. Lord, you called us, Lord, you didn't call us out of this world, but Lord, you called us to be in this world, but to remain holy. Lord, we thank you for this word tonight. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know what, what are you saying to the church, Lord? What is the Spirit saying to his bride tonight? Lord, we want to hear your word, and we want this word to change us. Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to hear just another word, but Lord, we pray that your word would, would be in our hearts, that your word would change our heart. God, take this word and make it real in us. Lord, we thank you, God. I bind every single evil distraction, every, every, every single hindrance tonight. I pray that your word would have freedom. And, Lord, I pray that you would anoint me because, God, I can't do anything apart from you, Lord. I know that you've given me this word, but I pray that you would speak, Lord, that you would be the one that would speak. Holy Spirit, move and use this word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you guys uh, open up to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis. I know it's in the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter twelve, um, and we're going to read from we're going to read from there. And uh, this is kind of a word. I read this. I was reading Genesis um, at the end of last year, and God kind of uh, gave me this word, and and I didn't really uh, I didn't really you know look into it or anything, and and I, I wanted to preach on something else tonight. And I wanted to preach on what, what I spoke about in Mexico was, uh, was about having the commandments of God and, and loving the commandments of God. And, and, and I was, as I was praying for this, I was reading the Bible, I was, I was reading yesterday, and God just kind of put this word, and he told me to speak this word. I believe God has this word for someone tonight. Um, so we're going to look at two men. We're going to look at the story of Abraham and Lot. Uh, two people, two men that, that, had, that, that were similar, kind of similar beginnings but completely different outcomes. And, you know, for me it's interesting. It's always been interesting. What is it about people that causes them to finish where they finish? You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people start off the same, kind of. They have the same. They, we all have the Word of God. We all have everything that we need to live a holy life. We, we have the Spirit of God. We have the church. We have leaders. We have different things. We all have the same things, but why do some people end up in, in a very good place, some people end up in the, in the world and, and away from God. Why does that happen? Have you guys ever wondered, why does that happen? Is, is, it, is it the person's fault? Is it circumstances? Did God just kind of make it happen like that and, and we can't do anything about it? Or were there certain decisions? Were there certain things that were done to bring people to, to that place? And to, tonight we're going to look at the story of Abraham and Lot and just the different outcomes of what happened to them. Completely different outcomes. You look at Abraham and Lot. You look at Lot, first of all. Let's take Lot, for example. Uh, what, what happened to him? We know, uh, we know what happened. We know that he went to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's where he lived. But you know his ending? Uh, this is a, it's a very sad ending. We're going to uh, flip over to, we're going to come back to Genesis chapter 12. But look, uh, look at Genesis chapter 19. 
19, verse 29. And this is a very sad outcome of his life. It says, verse 29, it says, And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, which he overthrew the cities which Lot had dwelled. Then Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar, and he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. And if you don't know what happens next is he, uh, his daughters, they decide that they need to continue the lineage, they need to continue the, 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 the name, family name, and so they get their father drunk, and they, they both sleep with him, and he gets both of them pregnant. And that was the end result of this man's life. That was the finish. And, and even when he was in Sodom and Gomorrah and the two angels, they came, to, um, they came to him as visitors. And the men of Sodom and Gomorrah, they came, surrounded the place, and they wanted to rape those two men. And, and, they said, um, and Lot said, wait, hold on, don't do anything to my guests. I have two daughters, two virgin daughters that no one's, no one's ever been with. You can sleep with, you can, have, you can do whatever you want with them. That's what he said. And, and you know, he had a great beginning. He was with Abraham. He was amazing beginning, but his ending was so horrible, such a bad ending. And we don't know exactly what happened to him, but all that we know is that that's all I know is that that's not the life that I want to live. That's not the end result that I want. Did, did that just happen just for no reason? Or were there certain things that, that happened in his life that caused that to come? Um, and then you look at Abraham. Abraham, he ended up being, you know, the father of faith. He became the father of, of many faiths, and, and he became the father of the Jews, the father of the Christians. He, uh, he became, uh, his name is mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. It says that Jesus, the son of Abraham and the son of David, and, and he's a friend of God. It was someone that God spoke with face to face. So why, why, what was it about Abraham that made him, you know, we look to him, we look to Abraham right now like, wow, this man is an example. This, this, is, this is somebody that's like, wow, this is, this is someone, this is a man of God right here. And, 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 you know, and Lot, we don't even really know, hear about him later on in the Bible. He just kind of disappears. And what happened? You know, what, what was it about Lot? You know, Lot, he, his wife ended up, you know, turning into a pillar of salt, you know, and, and, and just Jesus even used her as a bad example in his sermon. You know, and that was his wife. And, and you know, because when she looked back when, when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, turned into a pillar of salt, and, and that, that, that was his wife. You know, that's how he lost his wife. That's, you know, that, and his, his daughters. And, you know, just you, you see this destruction in his family. And that's, that's just a bad ending. And we're going to look at what, what happened and why did that happen in his life. Um, so we're going to, first of all, we're going to look at the bad news, all right? Can we start with the bad news? Is that all right? Yeah, uh, we're going to start with the bad news. We're going to look at the mistakes that Lot made in his life, some of the mistakes that he made. And let's look at, um, first. okay, first of all, let's start from verse uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Um, it says, Now the Lord has said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abraham took Sarai, or Sarai, how do you say that right? Sarai, Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, 
and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran. And they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. And so we see that Lot was with Abraham. It says Abraham. If I say Abraham, I'm sorry. You know, his name wasn't changed to Abraham yet. But you guys know what I mean. And uh, his name, uh, anyways, he, he came to, he came with Abraham. He was called out. I believe Lot was someone that was hungry for God. I believe he was someone that, that wanted to have God's will in his life. You know, you look at his beginning. He, he started off right. He started off with Abraham. He went with him, and, and Abraham went following God. He's not knowing where he's going. He's, he's listening to a voice. He doesn't know, he doesn't know who, who God is. And, and Lot knows that God is with Abraham. He knows that, and, and he, he decides to follow after him. And, and he, I believe he represents someone that is, that is seeking God. Someone, you know, I, think, I believe he represents us, you know, kind of younger, not really experienced. Maybe we don't, we don't know what we're doing, but, but we, we, we want God. We, we're hungry for God. We want to know what is God doing, where is God going, and, and we, we want God in our life. And I believe he wanted, he, he went with Abraham. He wasn't sure. He wasn't sure where Abraham was going. It took faith, right? It took, it took a level of, of, of dedication and, and, and believing that God is there and, and, and knowing that Abraham is, and he knew that God was with Abraham. So he followed after him. But what happened? What were the mistakes that he made? Look at uh, chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 5 down to verse 13. Lot also, who went with Abraham, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abraham said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tents even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. And so it says that he chose for himself. He saw this garden. He saw this. It says it's like the garden of the Lord. He looked and, and he, he looked and he saw across the valley or whatever it was. And he saw this, this place. It was the Jordan Valley. He saw the Sodom and Gomorrah. It says it was well watered. And, and, and I think he looked at it and he's like, wow, that's a place that I want to live. That's a place. Now, that's what I'm talking about. And I think he, one of his mistakes, one of the things that he had was he had a lust uh, for the things of the world. And I believe that the things of the world were in him. It was in his heart. It was in, his, it was in him. It, it, was, it was something that, that, that he never got rid of. And it says that he was rich. He already had things. And I don't know, maybe he followed after Abraham because Abraham was rich. And he thought, hey, if, you know, this is my uncle. If I'm going to tag along... I'm going to get some of his goods. I'm going to get some money. I'm going to get, get rich. And I, I think he looked across, you know, he looked at the, the, the Jordan Valley and he saw, 
He saw all of the things he saw. He's like, you know, I'm going to build a house. I'm tired of all these tents. I'm tired of moving from one place to another, and, and we can't build a nice house. I want to have a mansion. I want to have a Rolls Royce. I want to have 24 inches or oh, 24-inch rims, and, 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 I, and, and he's like, I'm going to have the nicest camels. I'm going to have this great stuff, and he's, you know, plasma TV, 60-inch curved TV, and, and he's just he's thinking of all these things that he's going to have, and he's like, he saw this place, and it caught his eye, and he's like, you know what? I want, I want to settle down. I'm tired of following after Abraham. This guy doesn't know where he's going. He's lost. He's confused. He's going back and forth, and, and he's getting old. And, and you know, I, I'm, I, I want to go out on my own. And, and I believe that he never, he never lost that, that desire for money. He never lost that, that lust for, for things, for the things of this world. It was in him. It was, it was something he never got rid of. It was something that, that always stayed with him. And, and, and you know, it's, it says in, in 2 Peter, you don't have to go there, but I'm gonna, you could write it down as a reference. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 and 8, it says, And turning to the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. This is talking about God, uh, how he judged. He says, Condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. It says he was tormented in his soul. It says that his soul was tormented as he saw all the wickedness. And you, and, uh, you, you guys know about Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a wicked place. It was a horrible place. There was they, the, the things that they did, God destroyed them. I mean, that was one of the only cities that God ever destroyed because of how wicked it was. And God destroyed this place, and he was there. He was living there. Question is, why on earth would this guy, it says he was righteous. It says he was righteous lot, and he was tormented. His soul, his conscience was bugging him. It was, wouldn't leave him alone. I believe God was just yelling at him, screaming like, what on earth are you doing here? This, is, this place has nothing. You are not called to live here. And, and it says that first he pitched his tents in Sodom, you know, on the plains. He just, he kind of was on the outside. He's like, just, I'm going I'm to get in. I'm just going to be here, just kind of farther away, not really close to where all the wickedness is. I'm just going to be on the outside. But later we find that he's on the inside. He's at the city gate. He's actually living in the town, in the middle of it. And, and I believe that God was just speaking to him, like, what are you doing? His soul was tormenting him. It wouldn't leave him alone. It was just bugging him. God was just speaking to him. What are you doing here? What are you doing? This is not for you. This, this is not for you. And, and why did he stay there? Why? question is, why did he remain? What was it about that place that kept him there? It was his desire for, for material possessions. It was his desire for worldly things. It was, it, it was in him, and it, wouldn't, it, it, it didn't leave him. You know, it was something that he never got rid of. And this is something that's very dangerous. And, and this was one of the mistakes that he made. Another mistake that he made, and in, in you look at Genesis, you look at uh, in the very beginning, it says that the land, in verse chapter 6 and 7, it says the land was not able to support them because their, their possessions were so great. And then it says that there was strife between the herdsmen of Abraham's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. It, they, they started arguing, you know, there's too much land, or, or there's too many things. They had too many things. They, you know, maybe not enough green grass for their cows, you know, and, and Lot's cows and, and Abraham's cows, they didn't have enough grass to eat, didn't have enough things. I don't know exactly why they were arguing, but they were arguing, and they had to separate. And I believe his mistake here was that he left Lot. 
or that, that he left Abraham. I believe this was his mistake. You know, you could say, well, Abraham told him, you know, let's leave. No, I, I think that he was not sensitive to God. He was not sensitive to what he should have done. He could not, he, he, he was not supposed to leave Abraham. What he should have said was, listen, Abraham, I understand my herdsmen and your herdsmen, they're not getting along, but whatever, you know, whatever it is, I'm going to tell them to be quiet, to never say another word. I'll sell what I have to sell. I'll give up whatever I have to give up. You know, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I need to be with you because God is with you. God is with you. You know, there's a, there's a story about Ruth. You guys know about Ruth in the Bible and, and, and her, her um, mother-in-law. If you guys know the story, Naomi, and she was married and she had two sons. Uh, and, and these sons, they married two women, two Moabite women. Moabites were the Moab. They were enemies of Israel. They moved because of a famine. And they, had, uh, they, they got married and Naomi's husband died. And both her sons died. So she's left with her two stepdaughters who are both Moabites. Uh, uh, their names are Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah and Ruth. All right, don't, don't get that confused. Orpah and Ruth. And, 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 you know, Naomi, she says, listen, my husband's dead. Your husbands are dead. Why don't you go back to your people? I'm going to go back home to Israel. Why don't you go back to your people? Uh, why don't your gods, you know, go back to your gods, go back to, go back to your people, go back to your land. I'm going to go back. I can't do anything for you. And, and, and Orpah, she says, no, 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 I want to stay with you. She says, no, no, just leave. Just go. I can't do anything for you. She says, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So Orpah leaves. But Ruth, it says that she clings to her. She says, no, I will not leave you. And, and she says, you sure? I, I just, you know, go. I can't, I can't give you another son. I can't, I can't, you know, give birth to somebody and wait for you to marry him. I can't do anything for you. She says, no. I'm going to stay with you. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going to go. Your gods will be my gods. Your people will be my people. Wherever you go, that's where, where you die, that's where I'm going to die. And, and she clunked because, you know what, she saw God was with her. She saw that Naomi had God. She saw that Naomi had something, and, and she clung to her. She, she wouldn't let her go, and she stayed with her. And you know what ended up? Ruth became the, was it the great-grandmother or the grandmother? The great-grandmother of David. And she's mentioned in the lineage of Jesus. So she has a name in, in, in the lineage. Her name is actually mentioned when they talk about the descendants of Jesus. And why? She was, a, she was a Moabite. She was an enemy of Israel. They were not supposed to be even mentioned anywhere near. Uh, the, they, they were enemies. They weren't supposed to be mentioned in the lineage. But she was because she clung to God. Because she saw something. She said, I need to be with this person. I need to be with this, with this woman because she's a godly woman. And Lot, this was a man of God. Abraham was a man of God. And Lot was what he should have done. He should have said, you know what? Abraham, I know that God is with you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't care. I need to be with you. I don't have what it takes. And you see, Lot, he should not have left him because he was not ready to leave. He was not ready to leave on his own. He was not ready to have success. You know, success is a dangerous thing because it can, it can hurt you. Did you guys know that? Success can hurt you. If you're not ready for success, it will hurt you. Why do most people, what is it, 90, 95% of people that win the lottery, Andre, is that 95%? 95% of people who win the lottery, or 90%, whatever it was, 90 or 95? It's, it's, it's a, big, it's a big, big percentage. Most people that win the lottery, just, it destroys their life. Why? If they're not ready for that success. You know, you say, oh, if only I had $10 million right now, that would be so great. No, you, it would be the worst thing that could happen to you right now. 
no, no, I can handle it. I can't. No, you can't handle it. You know, if you could handle it, God might give you that money. But we can't handle it. Because it's, it's you know, and, and if you can, then praise God, God will give it to you. But, you know, there's something about success that's so dangerous. Something about success that's, if you don't do it right, it's, it's, it's going to mess you up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to mess you up. And Abraham, he was going to, you know, he, he was going the right way. But Lot, he said, you know what, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on my own. And, and it's interesting, we read this yesterday in uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 through 6. It says, some seed, it's talking about the seed, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And it's talking about the parable of the sower when he was sowing the seed. And it says some of the seed, they fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And, immediate, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. They had no root. They withered away. And, and it's, it's, it's that, you know, it's, they had success right away. They sprang up. They, they came up. You know, the seed was sown. It was, there was success. There was, there was something that happened. Wow, it's great. But then they had no depth to it. It had no, no root. The root was missing. And, and Lot was a man that did not have any depth to him. He did not have the depth of God. He didn't have that, that root in him that, that would keep him with God. He didn't have it. He thought he did. Maybe he thought, oh, I have success. I'm good. But he didn't have it. He, he was missing it. And, you know, the, the further the building you want to build up, the higher the building, the further you got to go down, the bigger the foundation. And, and if, you know, we want success. Really, we live in a culture where we want success right away. It's a fast food generation. You know, we microwave everything. We go through drive through 30 seconds or more. If it's not more than 30 seconds, we're mad. You know, it should be done faster. We want success right away. You know, we, that's how we, that's how we're, that, that's how we're, we learn, you know, we, that's how we're learned today. That's how we're taught. But in God, it's a little, with God, it's a little bit different. God wants you to have some depth. God wants you to, 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 to get a little, you know, he was not ready. He was not in a place where he was supposed to be. He was not there. He thought he was. And today we see, you know, we see people that they think that they're right and, and they kind of go off on their own and they say, you know what, I don't need anybody in my life. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to go out on my own because I'm ready, because I have what it takes to go out. I have the, 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 the power. You see, in this point, Lot, he wasn't responsible for anything. Abraham was answering for everything. Abraham was the one in charge. Abraham was the one that took orders from God. He was the one that was hearing from God. Lot didn't have anything. And, and he didn't hear from God. He didn't have God's revelation. He didn't have his word in his heart. He didn't have the spirit of God speaking to him. And, and he thought, hey, everything's okay. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out on my own. And that was the, that was the mistake that he, that he made, that he, he, he didn't ask for God's perfect will in his life he just thought you know what? i'm gonna go he he didn't want to wait he didn't want to wait for god to to work with him he didn't want to wait for god to do something and you know what it's, it says in the bible that uh when we're t- talking about the uh the parable of the sower it says that some seed fell on good ground it produced 30 60 and 100 fold you know and and and, and we talk about the will of god there's the good will there's the perfect the pleasing will and then there's the perfect will of god and I don't know about you, but I want the perfect will of God for my life. I, I want the perfect will. I don't want to 
you know, try to do something on my own, just take off. You know what? I don't need, I don't need any correction in my life. I don't need any, any discipline. Um, I, I don't need anybody telling me what to do. I know what to do. I, I, don't, I, I don't need, I, I, can, I can do it on my own. You know, that's, that's, a lot of people are like that. Say, I want to do it on my own. But they don't wait for God to deal with them. They don't wait for God to move in them. They don't wait for the perfect will of God. They don't wait for that perfect. I don't know. I don't want the, the good will of God. I don't want the pleasing. I want the perfect will. It's, you know, you sow it. We all sow. Some people, they reap 30, 30-fold. Some people reap a hundred, uh, 60. And some reap 100. Depends, depends how you wait. Depends what, what kind of heart you have. And, you know, for me, right now, it's, 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 I, I can see God's perfect will in my life. And, and that, that's what I'm, you know, that's what I wanted. That's what I said, God, I want your perfect will. And, you know, right now, you know, and with, with marriage and, and everything that's, that's happening, and, you know, honestly, life is just amazing right now. And it, it's so good. It's so good. It's, it's like, you know, we, me, and, me and Albina, we talk about it. We're like, it's just God's perfect will. And it's like we see how God has just brought us together. And, and it's, it's not, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, my my, you know, it wasn't that I decided or, or she decided. Or, it was God, God's will, God's perfect will. And that's awesome. It's, 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 it's the best thing that we could have. And, you know, it, it's interesting. We were in, um, we were in Mexico, and uh, we were sharing about, you know, we had this night about, uh, you know, marriage and, and, and dating and, and, you know, relationships and all that stuff. And I already knew, you know, God already told me, you know, that's, that's going to be your wife. And, and I already knew, and, and, and uh, we're kind of just sharing and, and, you know, they asked me to share about, you know, just the pressure, the pressure that, that, that you get, you know, when, when you're single. And, and I was, it, was, it was interesting. I was sharing about how I was like, man, I had, you know, three of my close friends got married in four months. And, uh, and I was the best man on, on all the weddings. And I'm like, you talk about pressure. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> and and it's, it's, I mean, it's, I, I kind of laugh about it, but it's, it's almost not, not even a joke. You know, it's like everybody... Everybody and their mom was telling me, you know, you got to get married. It's your time. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a thing where, where I had to decide, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, decide for myself? Am I going to just say, yeah, you know, they're right. I'm going to have to give in to this pressure. I'm going to say, okay, you know what, you guys are right. And, and, or am I, I going to have to follow God's will? And, and, am I gonna, what am I going to choose? Am I going to follow the will of God or am I going to just, gonna, you know, give in to pressure, say, okay, you know, you guys are right. Okay, fine. I'll get married. You know, it's time. Yeah. But, but there, there's, there's a process that God was bringing me through. There's a process that God wants to bring all of us through because God has a will, a perfect will for our life. Amen? Amen. If, if, you, if you believe that, say amen. 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 See, we have a perfect will, a perfect will for our life, every single one of us. God has something intended, something great, something that we can't do on our own strength. And he to, in order to do, in order to have this happen, God has to bring us through a process, right? God has to bring us through something that's going to hurt, something that's going to cost us, something that's not going to be pleasant. But He wants to do this because without this, He cannot use us. He can't. He's, God, God doesn't. God doesn't want to just leave us to our own, you know, our own will because we're going to destroy ourselves. We're going to we're going to mess it all up. Um, I don't know. Is it kind of cold in here? Yeah, I feel. I think that the door is open. Um, I don't know. If I, could you could you close it? I feel like the the draft is. I just. I don't know. I'm I'm feeling this. <laughs> Getting all. Oh, I'm just worried about everybody else. You know. Worried about you know that that person sitting right there. 
Thank you. <laughs> um, where was I? Yeah, talking about, uh, you know, God's process. There, there's a process that God has for us that's going to that's gonna cost us something. It says in the Bible, um, you guys don't have to write this down, but, or you guys have to go there, but you could write it down. It's Lamentations chapter 3, verse 25 and 28, uh, verse 25 through 28. It says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent because God has laid it on him. That's, that's a powerful, it says uh, in, in the New Living, it says, verse 27 says, It is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. It is good. It is good. And, and there is a yoke of discipline that God has for us. There's a yoke of discipline that God has for every single one of us. Because God loves us, and he has a plan for us. And it's, it's not that, you know, God will, will just allow us to just have this plan without, without any, just, you know, here you go. Here's this. No, God wants to bring us through something before we get there. God wants to teach us something. He wants to bring, it's a process. Is this a process of God? I don't know. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody has gone through something like this? And, you know, any, any man of God that you talk to, Man of God, woman, you know, I'm not just only talking to the men. I'm, you know, men and women too. There's it, it a process in their life that, that you go through, that, that God takes you through because he loves you and he wants to bring you through. He wants to get you ready for his perfect will. He wants to get you ready. And, you know, now that I, I look at it and I see that God was getting me ready. And, you know, last year I shared this at, at the youth retreat, uh, at the winter retreat. I was, I was sharing that, that 2015 was a year that I got closer to God. Because, you know, during this time when God brings you through, through this process, you have one of two options. Either you get mad at God and you say, God has is, is left me. God is not with me. He's, you know, he, he doesn't care about me. He just disciplines me and, and he doesn't love me. And you get mad at God or you can take it. You can agree to it and say and submit to it and start to seek God. That, that, those, those are your two options. And for me, that was the decision I had to make. Either, either I'm going to, you know, give in. I'm going to just either get mad at God and just say, God doesn't care. God doesn't love me. Or I'm going to have to start seeking him. And that was that moment that I said, I am going to really see God. And I thought, you know, I thought I'm right. I thought I'm good. But God started to remove a lot of the things that were in my heart that I didn't see, that I didn't even know were there. But God started digging and just removing that stuff and just grab, taking it out of me. And, and that was so, because I didn't have anything else to do. I just ran to God. I just, all I did was just see God and you know, I started getting into his word and prayer and the presence of God. It's just every day. And, and it was either, either I do that or, or I don't know what, what, what I'm going to do. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So it, it, was, it was a process that God brought me through. And it was so good because now I see that I needed to go through that. I had to go through that. Whatever God has for me, I had to go through that. It was so necessary. Does it hurt? Yeah. Is it, is it painful? Yeah. Do you, do you see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel? Maybe, maybe not. But, but God wants us to go through that. He, it, it says he, he disciplines those he loves. Amen. If he loves you, he's going he's gonna to take you through that. And you gotta, you just, sometimes you just got to take it. You just got you to go through it with a smile and just say, God, I trust you. God, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. And, and that's the thing. That's, I, I feel like God wants us to learn how to trust him. 
God wants, to learn, God wants us to learn how to take his word and say, God, I believe you. I believe what you're doing. I be- you know, it's funny. We, we, you know, you ask anybody, do you trust God? Oh, I trust God. Yeah, I trust God. You sure you trust God? Are you sure? And, and you, start, you start, you know, you go through something like that, and it, you see that it's difficult in some cases to trust God. So difficult. Sometimes you, you, you think, man, I, I got, you know, God on me. Yeah, I, I, I believe him, whatever. Well, I trust in him. But when you go through this, it, it, you, you realize that, that it's difficult to trust God. And God wants to teach us how to trust him. God wants to teach us how to believe in his word and how to not, uh, how, how to, how to not look at circumstances and allow circumstances to tell you what's going on. But you've got to have faith. You see, here's the, I believe this is the root of the issue. This is the root of Lot's issue. It wasn't, maybe it wasn't even the fact that he was, um, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that was bad. But I believe the root issue was that he did not know how to trust God. He did not have faith. That's what Abraham had. He was faith. He, he was known for faith. Abraham had faith in God and he trusted in God. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But Lot, he didn't have the faith. He didn't have the faith that it would take to believe that God was with him, to believe that God was, was, was leading him somewhere. He didn't have that faith. And so he took off earlier. He took off and he went on his own. And, and, and he decided to, you know what, I have success. I have, I have something happening. I'm going to go and I'm going to do what feels good. I'm going to do what I think I should do. And that's what destroyed him. And see, for us, we got to learn how to trust in God. We have to learn how to, how to accept what God is doing in our life. We need to learn how to, how to take it and say, God, I trust you, I believe you, and I know you're with me. And, and, to, not, and to not say, you know, God has left, to not get mad at God. And you know what? God is going to bring you through. God wants to. Because if he doesn't, he will not be able to use you the way that, that, that he intended. If he doesn't do this, he won't be able to take you to that next place. And, and, and I'm not just talking about, you know, finances or, or, or success. I'm talking about in every level, family, uh, just everything. God wants us to learn this. God wants us to, to carry this yoke, to carry this burden. And, and Jesus said, come to me. You who are heavy laden, uh, you who are weary, come to me. Take my yoke, for it is easy. The burden I give is light. And, and Jesus wants us to learn how to carry his yoke, especially at a young age. There's just something about, you know, at a young age, there's something so healthy, so good about taking this yoke. And let's look at Abraham, all right? Let's look at his example. You, you guys with me? You guys getting this? Yeah? Let's, let's look at Abraham. Let, let's look at what he did. What are some of the things that he did? Look at chapter 12, verse 7 and 8. It says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he appeared to him. Uh, he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountains east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. He builds an altar in one place, an altar in another place. Look at chapter 13, verse 3. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Again, he calls on the name of God. Look at verse 18. 
Then Abraham moved his tent and went and dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are, in he, which are in Hebron or Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Another altar. What, 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 what do we see a pattern with Abraham? What, what do we see? This is someone that knew what sacrifice was. He knew how to sacrifice. He knew how to worship God. He knew how to seek God. This is someone that, that was willing to sacrifice. We don't see Lot doing this. We don't see Lot... Uh, sacrificing to God. We don't see Lot uh, calling on the name of God. But Abraham, he was, this was a man with, that said, you know, God, I am going to build an altar. I'm going to seek you. He's called on his name. Sacrifice. Altar speaks of sacrifice. It speaks of, of, of giving up what, what you want and what you don't, what, what you like and, and giving it up and trusting God. And he, he, he would build sacrifices. And, and, you know, God is because Abraham was learning. He was in this learning process of submitting to God. He was in this learning process of, of humbling himself before God. He was in this process of repentance. See, this is what God wants to do. He wants to bring us to repentance. There's going to be a lot of repenting. Let me tell you, if you haven't gone through something like this, if you haven't gone through this process and you're going to go through it, let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of repenting, a lot of, a lot of uh, just humbling yourself. It's so good. This is what Abraham was going through. He was, he was going through this process of humbling, repentance. And, and he was building these altars. He was sacrificing. He was calling on God. And because God was preparing him for something. And then the, look, look at Genesis chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 21. And I'm going to tell the story. This is a story about, uh, about kings. These four kings, they, they, uh, they go and attack these other these five kings who rebelled against them, and there was a war. And and these in the the kingdoms of Sodom and Gomorrah, they were the the rebellious ones, and 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 they uh, their armies ran away. And these four kings, they went, they destroyed all the cities, and and they took all the people, they took them captive, and they started taking them back. And one of and Lot was with them, and one of Lot's servants decided to run away and run to Abraham, and he found Abraham. And said, listen, they took Lot. They took him all captive, and Lot had 318 trained men, like an army, basically, with him. And they were trained in his, in, in um, Abraham. Yeah, he trained them, and I don't know exactly what, what, how he trained them, but he split them up into two forces, and they attacked by night. They traveled, they attacked this big army, and there's a lot of people there. And they defeated them, they, 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 they defeated all these kings. And, and now they, they brought all the people back. They, you know, Abraham was the, was the, he was the, uh, you know, the hero right here. And then <clears throat> this king comes up to Abraham, king of Sodom. Look at verse 21. And this king of Sodom, he represents the devil. He represents the world. He represents the system of the world. And we're talking about, um, you know, my message is, uh, you know, in the world but not of it. And, and, and he represents the world. And he says, uh, now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the person's. And take the goods for yourself. So he's saying, listen, you could have, you know, let, you can, I'm going to take the people. But you keep the goods. Keep the things for yourself. Keep the things that, 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 that are mine. Basically, it's, 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 this is the world. And the world is saying to us today, you know what? Keep these good things. Keep these possessions. Keep, and there must have been a lot there. If you, can you imagine four kings plus five kings, nine kings, you know, their kingdoms, all the possessions that they had, and, and there's, there's all these things. And can you, can you imagine yourself in this situation? You have, you're seeing gold. You're seeing 
silver, precious stones, diamonds. You see all these things, and, 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 and he said, yeah, you could have all of this. You could have it. And what does Abraham, what, what does Abraham say? I love, I love what he says. Verse 22, but Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I, will, and I, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abraham rich. He said, I'm not going to take a piece of string. I'm not going to take a shoe. Does anybody have a shoe? Can I borrow a shoe real quick? Anybody have a shoe? Ben, can I have or No, here we go. Here's a shoe. He, he said, listen, I'm not even going to have a shoe. I'm not even going to keep one shoe that is yours. He said, God has given me, what, what, he says, Later, uh, or he says, uh, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. I will take nothing. Nothing. I'm not going to take anything. See, the world was not in him anymore. The world, it wasn't in him. He didn't have any desire. You see, the process that God brought him through, the, 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 things, the, the, the things that he had to go through, the, the sacrifices and, and, and all of the all of the, the, the trials and the repentance and the, the worship and everything that he went through, it took the, the spirit of the world out of his heart. It was no longer in him. He didn't care. And he said, you know, I'm not even going to take a shoe from you. I, I don't even want a piece of string. I'm just going to take what's, I'm going to take my people back and that's it. And the food that they ate and w- whatever else he said, but I'm not going to take one thing. See, the world was not in Abraham. Thank you, Noah. The world was not in him anymore. The world was, it, it left his heart. His heart did not have that. And because God brought him through that process, and, and now he comes to, you know, he comes to this, it's a test. And, and, and he comes to this test, and, and he says, no, I don't, want, I don't want what you have. I don't want what you have. I, I don't want it. You know, whatever this world has, I don't want it. See, this is God's intention. This is what God wants to do with us. He wants to take the love of this world out of our hearts. Not the love for this world. No, we have to love the world. We have to talk with the world. We have to talk to people. We gotta, you know, we have to, we have to save them. We, we, have, to, we have to try to, you know, to, to tell them the truth. We have to be friendly to them. But we're not of this world. We don't belong to this world. And, and, and the, the, the world was out of his heart. It wasn't in him anymore. That's what God wants to do with us. That's what God wants to do with you. He wants to, that's what he wants to do with me. He wants to take our love for this world out of our hearts. He wants us to love him more than anything else. And you see, he brought him to the place that, look, look, at, verse, or look at chapter 15. Chapter 15, verses, we're going to read verse 1 through 6. We're going to finish right here. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abraham said, Look, You have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him. God brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. God said, look, look at the stars. Look at the heavens. Look at the stars. Can you count them? Can you count the trillions? How many stars are there? No, nobody really knows, right? 
Trillions and trillions of stars. Can you count them? No. That's how your, your descendants will be numerous. Your descendants will be countless. You, you won't be able to count them. And, and God, he makes a covenant with him. God gives him a promise. God brought him through this process, right? He brought him through this, through this thing. He, 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 he brought him through this trial. And how many? And was Abraham perfect after that? No, no. He still made mistakes. He still, he made an Ishmael after this. And you know what? That kind of helps me because I'm thinking, you know what? If he made mistakes, that means, you know, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I've made many mistakes. He made mistakes. But you know what? One thing I know is that he, he trusted in God. He had that faith. He said, God, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to believe in you. And that, that world, it wasn't in him anymore. And now God's like, okay, now I can make a covenant with you. Now I can make a covenant. I can make a promise with you. I can give you something. Now I can bless you. And God blessed him. But it wasn't before he had to, it wasn't before that Abraham, uh, if, he, if he didn't go through that process, God would not have made that covenant with him. And we would not have seen Abraham as a father of, of, of many, you know, of, of the father of the Jews, the father of the Christians. I mean, even the Muslims, even they say, you know, he's their father, even though they're a false religion. But even they call him their, their father. Why? Because Abraham, he was someone that trusted in God. He was someone that said that, that, that allowed God to deal with him. And he allowed God to remove the spirit of the world out of his heart. And God brought him through that process. You know, in, um, in, in John chapter 14, this is, it says, in, you don't have to turn there. Um, you can if you want. It's John 14, 30. It's the last scripture. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, I will no longer talk much with you. For the, world, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. This is what Jesus said. He has nothing in me. And this is what God wants us to say. This world, you know what? We're all in this world, right? We all, we're all part of this world. Anybody that goes, you know, anybody that goes to school, work, we, we know what, what, what goes on, Right? We, we hear cursing every day. We hear dirty jokes. We hear, you know, different things. We're part of the world. But Jesus said, but this world has nothing in me. This world's got nothing in me. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to bring us to that place where we say, this world has nothing in me. I, have, I don't have any part in this world, no desires for this world. And, you know, Abraham later, he, he ended up, uh, you know, was he perfect? No, but God did a work in him, and you guys know the story when he sacrifices, almost sacrifices his son. Can you imagine his son, his only son, that he waits 25 years, and God says, kill him, sacrifice him. And you know what? What did Abraham do? Was it a tough decision? Yeah, I bet it was. But he loved God so much, got to a place where he loved God so much that he didn't even argue, no arguments, said, yes, Lord. And he would, and he went sacrificed, he, would, he was willing to sacrifice his one and only son. And that's, that, that's the place where God wants to bring us to, to a place of trust and love for God. That's what he wants. He wants to take the world out of us. Let's stand up right now. We're going to pray.